It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm your host, Nikki Cannon, and we've got a great show for you today. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about data transparency and data visualization, especially as it pertains to the government and how we are making data more accessible to the public. And we have a great crew with us here in the studio. First off, we have Robert Dolan from Tableau. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We also have Hudson Hollister of the Data Coalition. Morning, Hudson. Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. And finally, we also have Alex Howard of Sunlight Foundation. Good morning. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. I'm really excited about this discussion. I'm really excited um, to get started. So I just kind of want to start us off by getting into what your organizations are, what you guys do, how you came to be. And Hudson, I want to kick it over to you first because you've been working in policy for a while. And uh, how did you? How did the Data Coalition come to be and how did you make it in there? Well, okay, great. I'll tell you what the Data Coalition is and how it came to be and what we're trying to do. And I'll try to also observe the clock on the wall because <laughs> I can rant at a moment's notice. I will try to restrain the rant. The Data Coalition is a trade association we advocate for the government to get control of its data and standardize it, publish it, put it out there. Because for the most part, as we're going to talk about on the show today, uh, unfortunately, the government doesn't do a very good job of that. Now, how did our trade association come to be? When I was an employee at the Securities and Exchange Commission, I became outraged that the SEC uses all of these document-based forms to collect information from public companies. 600 different forms that public companies and banks and financial firms have to fill out and wow. submit to the agency, and they're all PDF documents. You can't pull <laughs> data out of there. Those forms are full of line items and check boxes and yes and no's and tables, things that could be expressed as data and visualized beautifully if so. But no, they're not. They're just plain text. After spending several, a couple of years trying to persuade my agency to change, I failed. And so I resigned from the SEC, went to go work for Congress to try to force the SEC and the other agencies to transform documents into data. In Congress, I worked on a couple of reforms that we'll talk about later, but we couldn't get the Senate to care. And so in 2012, I resigned again. That's kind of a pattern. And I started the Data Coalition. Uh, our trade association now has 36 corporate members representing all sorts of segments of the tech industry, and we advocate for policy change to transform documents into open and standardized data. Wow. That is that is one heck of a background right there, Hudson. It's all outrage. <laughs> That's the motivator. That's what's fueling you to, to keep going. Well, we thank you for that because it's making data more accessible to the public. And as for your advocacy, Sunlight, you guys also work in advocacy. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you guys are doing? Are you working with the Data Coalition or? Well, uh, sure. The uh, Sunlight Foundation is a nonpartisan nonprofit based here in Washington, D.C. We are over a decade old. 
And we've been advocating for uh, government transparency as long as we've been founded. And we have a pretty simple idea that public information should be accessible to the public on the Internet. Uh, and we've seen a great deal of progress uh, in that particular goal over the last decade. Still a tremendous amount uh, to go, of course, as uh, Hudson mentions. And uh, we've been in coalition um, with partners in Congress and in, in past administrations uh, and with uh, cities and states and other international governments around the world uh, trying to work on this shared project, uh, making that which is ours, which we have funded our information accessible uh, to the public and then using it to inform the public upon what our governments are doing on our behalf and then forming better public policy. Um, now, we've worked with uh, Hudson and the Data Coalition uh, and with Hudson when he was in Congress mm -hmm. on the Data Act, um, which is really about a very essential thing, understanding how our government is spending money. Yeah. And Sunlight showed that uh, the disclosure of that spending information was not accurate. And that was a key piece of evidence that was used as a lever to get Congress to move off the ball and put something forward. And now we actually have an ex-Sunlighter working in government um, to make sure that is accessible to the public in a modern website uh, that is based upon the uh, open data standards that we have developed in the open. And you can see that, I believe, at openbeta.usaspending.gov. And in just a couple of months, we'll see uh, what happens when the federal government starts disclosing more of its spending. And we'll be there to watchdog that and talk the public through it. That is fantastic. And what I love about our, our little group that we have assembled today is we have a little bit from, from each part of, of how we get to get to this point of data accessibility. We're starting with policy. We, we're moving with advocacy. And we're also getting to the point where how do we actually visualize data? How do we put this into a space that, that people can see and people can get to? And that is where Rob at Tableau comes in. Ab absolutely. So, you know, Tableau um, has built um, world's, one of the world's uh, mo most robust analytics platforms. I mean, our whole mission is that we help people see and understand their data. And as you look at what that means from go for government and, and citizens alike, it's how do you take this vast amount of information that's out there and how do you bring it in in a way that people can easily consume it? People can see they can they can reveal patterns that might not have, have necessarily been been evident. Um, what we, we call discovering those unknown unknowns and really really helping government do a much better job of delivering outcomes, delivering against their mission goals, understanding things like how are benefits being paid out, uh, what are the, the dropout risks around students. So how do you pull in this vast amount of data? And and to, and to Hudson's point, I mean we're we're seeing this evolve even more and more so that we can pull information out of, of of PDF files and out of unstructured data and out of social media and out of any other source that data resides in, and then pull this data into this platform so that people can start to see it. And governments are doing this; they're doing this all over, and they're doing it quite successfully today. So um, it's a it's a great space to be in, and it's an exciting industry. And and you just, we just see the growth in this continuing as it, as this push forward. You guys are also a member of the Data we are. Coalition. We, we proudly are a member of the Data Coalition. Thank you uh, very much. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and they and do great work. So we're, we're pleased to be part of that. Now, that brings up an interesting question. You, uh, Rob, you talk about how uh, it's possible for analytics platforms to pull meaningful information out of unstructured data. Now, our organization spends a lot of time advocating for unstructured data, like documents, to be transformed into structured 
And there's always a balance there because one of the objections that I had when I was advocating on Capitol Hill for the Data Act to pass, actually the White House said, we don't need the Data Act, we don't need to standardize spending information because it's so great we have technology that can take that unstructured and put it into structured. We don't need a law that says there should be standard data formats for spending. So uh, I have some ideas about it, I'd love to talk a bit about it, and Rob, I'm curious, from your perspective, working on this in the industry, what's the line? Where do we uh, where do we say there have to be some kind of consistent formats, and where do we say unstructured is okay? Well, I mean, I think it depends on the data. I mean, I think you got to look at I, I, you got to look at what you want to know, right? I mean, I, you know, there's it's that's a, it's an interesting question, Hudson. I, I think it, it it sort of it becomes it's how all that data is going to align, how you're going to glean information out of it. There could, there's a lot of unstructured data that's not going to, we're not going to reveal anything for you. That's, that's not going to be valuable. I mean, we see, you know, where we see customers using this unstructured data is pulling it into, as you've said, into a structured data warehouse, into a structured data source where it can be analyzed and it can be blended with other, with other information where you then begin to, to align it around com common um, definitions. And then you can start to get this insight, but you got to have, there's got to be some definition in there. I mean, just throwing, te you know, garbled text out there with no context. The is way not many gonna, agencies do. It's not, well, it's not going to, it's not going to, you're not going to be able to pull it in as, as, as effectively. And I've already got to ask for our host's apology to our host. Uh, it's the caffeine. I'm not the moderator. But I think we'll see that as we go through this discussion, this this tension between uh, do we need to have policymakers force data standards across everything, or can we just use big data tools to pull meaning out of unstructured data? Do we need to invest all this effort passing things like the Data Act? Yeah, and Alex, did you? Sure. I, you know, I would suggest that we do both. Uh, that uh, data standards are the railway gauges of the 21st century. Uh, you know, we sought the industrial infrastructure of our country significantly changed when you could connect one railway system to another. Uh, if you talk to engineers, um, they'll talk about the importance of standardization. Anybody who has done contracting knows the importance of having different connectors and tools be standardized. Uh, data is obviously uh, represented in, in bits, uh, zeros and ones. It is a different world. But when you get into uh, specific sectors, uh, we've seen proprietary data formats used to restrict interoperability. It has a real impact upon public access. It has a real impact upon outcomes. Um, look no further than healthcare records. And while the last administration uh, made significant uh, strides in getting the adoption of electronic health care records, many people still can't move them from one mm -hmm. place to another because the data standards aren't aren't shared. And that, fortunately, that includes th uh, things like our veterans, right, mm -hmm. where the DOD and the Veterans Affairs, the Department of Defense, uh, you know, they're not able to have their same records talk back and forth. And that is an open data standards issue. Uh, frankly, there is an existing set of players in Washington, D.C. and have been for decades that take unstructured data, um, ingest it, structure it, and then resell it for a price. Now, um, that added value is something that they can sell against, but that is something that makes that data and the insight in it only accessible to those who can pay. Um, now, that's our taxpayer dollars that is uh, being uh, used. In some cases, you see agencies paying to access and understand their own data once it's been restructured and resold. Now, we believe strongly that accessibility should be equal, yeah. that the people should have the ability to access their information and to understand it, to use it, to reuse it. 
and that the asynchronies that exist within our society between those who can afford to pay for insights and the rest of the country, those people living in data poverty within their own communities, should be corrected. Um, and that there's a lot of ways we can get to that using laws, regulations, mandates, collaborative approaches. Uh, but fundamentally, if this is the public's information, it should be made accessible to the public. And that often means uh, making sure it's structured in a way that's easily accessible so you don't need to be able to use very expensive software products to understand. Well, yeah. but, but, I really want to continue this conversation, you guys. <laughs> We're definitely going to come back to this, especially the the talk about you know what is data accessibility and how do we how do we make it equal when it comes to to making sure that everyone across the country has access to this. So we are going to actually just take our first quick break. You are listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, fifteen hundred AM. We'll continue the discussion after a word from our sponsor. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, we are having a discussion about data visualization and transparency and data accessibility to the public. Thank you again to Rob from Tableau, Hudson from the Data Coalition, and Alex from Sunlight Foundation for joining us in studio today. And we left off on an interesting discussion that I think Rob wants to to, to kick us back into is that we were talking about uh, data accessibility and equalization without having to... to uh, purchase expensive software so that we make sure that what the public needs to know that they have access to no matter where they sit in our economic system. Right, right. And I think if you look at data's rows and columns and and ones and zeros, right, as Alex Mm -hmm. said. So consuming it is important. So if you look at what government is doing today to get that access to citizens, you you see public portals where, for example, the state of Ohio has put their entire budget out um, online for anybody to look at, anybody to do analysis. Um, it's powered by Tableau, right? So you can go in and you can do the deep dive drill downs that, that we offer as part of the software. And you're not having, you don't buy an expensive software package to do that, as, as Alex said. And we see that happening across government, right? You yeah. know, the Department of Interior is doing that. A lot of federal agencies are pushing this information out. And I think you've got to make sure that you talk about consumers of information, right, which is what the vast amount of citizens are going to be. And then you're going to have a subset of folks that are going to get in there and they're going to download massive sets of open data and they're going to do all sorts of analysis. Always a subset, just a subset. Yeah. Not everyone's going right. to ever have to. No, But it's going to get not. into the ecosystem because sure. news organizations will fasten onto right, it. Right, yeah. right. Power users like Alex here will take those data sets We'll visualize them and, and you we'll want tell people stories to do that. Them. And you want people to do yeah. that. And that's what, you know, data visualization makes it easier for them to do that. But for the vast amount of citizens, it's that access to the information that they can get like that as, as, they, as they log on to a website or a public portal. And to make all, this, all these things possible, you know what Ohio did? In the, in the 2000s, the state of Ohio expensively consolidated all of its financial systems. They actually have a single financial system. It's called OAKS, O-A-K-S. Wow. Absolutely. How do I know this? Because we know everything here. <laughs> because By doing this, Ohio created one data set 
of spending. That makes it possible for the visualization platform to do its magic. That's what we're trying to do with the Data Act, which Alex mentioned in his intro, which passed three years ago, and the main deadline for the Data Act for federal agencies is coming up in 45 days, May 9th, 2017. Now, the Data Act has a little bit of a different approach because the federal government's never going to do what Ohio did. We're never going to get one financial system yeah. across all the vastness of this largest ever organization in human history. So what the Data Act says instead is let's use data standards. Let's have a consistent data format across all that information. And so we can continue using thousands of different systems, but those systems will report information that's consistent. And visualization solutions, visualization platforms like Tableau will suddenly make sense of it across all of that vastness and right. complexity. Exactly. So it's important to note there's two different ways to look at accessibility. One is, can you access the data online? The other, is it accessible to people? Now, yeah. here in D.C., I'm sure there's people listening who know what 508 compliance is. For the rest of the public, Alex, know what that— what is 508 compliance? <laughs> it's making sure that Americans with disabilities can access the information you're publishing online. And it's called that because of a particular section, right? Yeah. Section 508 of something. Yes. Uh, we're not going to go deep into this, but I think there actually is a 508compliance.gov if you want to check it out. Be. And the, the important thing here to focus on, though, is that government is for all the people, not just for people who have a smartphone, not just for people who have a connection to the internet, but making sure that everybody has access. Uh, and that means making sure the information itself is accessible. And when you make things open, it makes it better in that way. Um, if you publish something as a picture, for instance, if you say take a Form 990 uh, nonprofit tax return and then scan it and make it a picture and then disclose that picture on the internet, that is not open and accessible to all the people. Uh, fortunately, the IRS, uh, through a great deal of advocacy and some lawsuits, is now doing that better and disclosing 60% of the, the Form data. 990s. Now, there's still the a lot data of data instead of the picture. Exactly. They're publishing yeah. data, not pictures. And that is what we want to see from every single agency. And the reason that's important is when you improve the original data source, then you can start making sure that the data gets into the place where people are making a decision. Um, the decision is everything. Because in many cases, as uh, our, you know, my colleagues here, our guests here, and communities have noted, um, that publishing data isn't enough. You need to make sure the data finds people. Now, think about maps. I got here because I was able to uh, do a search on Google Maps. And there is transit information on the map. And that came from DC releasing its transit data in an open standardized format. Most of the time when people interact with this kind of data, it's going to be through a map or an app or a service through information discovery. And if you can get good quality open data into that place, it will inform people, help them make better decisions. And, and that's here's that true. theme again, Alex. Yeah. You didn't build a map yourself. No. You, some, some developer did it. You didn't grab the raw data about traffic from whatever API the city is offering it on and do that yourself when you had to come here to the radio station. But people do, and they should have the same opportunity to do that that Google did yeah. when they mm -hmm. performed that app. And and I we I agree. So it, it, and Tableau we Tableau we believe that too. So the accessibility yeah. the accessibility to to people around 508 is key. And and so we're working diligently to put those standards in place. I mean, the newest release of Tableau addresses starts to address those issues around accessibility and, and 508. And you'll 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 see that happening as data visualization matures across the industry. But but you're right, accessibility of this information both 
both to grab data but also to consume the data is is what's going to be key here. And so that's this that really is where this power of visualization sits um, with, with the citizenry. I'm curious about these two types of accessibility because this is a complicated issue. It's always good to try to break it down. And I would love to ask you, Alex, if mm -hmm. you would just repeat again two sentences. What are the two types of accessibility? Sure. So accessibility in one sense is, is the data online in an open, structured format? Is it free to use? Can you reuse it? Does it have a license on top of it? The other is accessibility in a sense of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Can people see it even if they're blind? or if they need some other way to get to the data itself. That makes sense. And it seems to me that accessible, the data, if data is accessible, data sets are accessible in that first sense. Standardized, uh, available, free of restrictions, then it is possible to create solutions that provide the other kind of accessibility, 508 compliance, um, and that provide, that tell stories for people who are people who are not experts and so mm -hmm. on. But if you don't have the first, it's a lot harder to get to the second. Am I right? It, that I'm is right. exactly right. And this is, a, this is a hot issue in DC right now because we're still waiting for the Justice Department to come out with a new policy for the Freedom of Information Act mm -hmm. called the Release to One, Release to All policy. They did a pilot on it. Uh, the previous administration said they needed to come out with it. And basically, the new law, the reform law, says that if uh, there's data that's being requested by multiple players, it has to be made available to the public in an electronic format, which is legalese for saying, put it online. And all the FOIA officers are now thinking, well, wait a second. This means I have to publish things online. How am I going to approach this? Don't I need to make sure that it's accessible? And the answer, of course, is to make sure that they are synced in with all the web managers and open data people across government who have really developed a robust practice for developing data uh, in, in a way that the public can access it over the last decade. And we're hoping to see a real sea change in the way that public information is disclosed to the public as a result of this reform. Yeah. And I think, you know, Hudson, you taking us back to those two definitions of accessibility is that, you know, it's it's great that we have all this raw data out there that anybody can just go on, you know, and find this and look through it. But not all of us are have the ability to to really sit down and, and comprehend it at the end of the day. And it's making it digestible for people because Which is where Tableau comes in. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or, well, or yeah, all of Tableau's great, wonderful competitors. Right there. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, rows and columns don't tell you anything. I mean, they don't exactly. tell you a thing. It's it's how it's presented to you. Whether it's in a map, whether it's in a in a in a graph, whether it's in a in a, in a dashboard that measures any number of key performance indicators, mm -hmm. right? How is that presented and consumed by all of us, right? Yeah. How do we how do we visualize that? We are visual people. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to. We're getting ready to come up on the next break, but let's start a little bit into kind of where we we've hit what accessibility is what it looks like today and i want everything to... is still terrible we maybe haven't reached the peak yet but at, at this point in time you know we're always trying to figure out how can we do things better and what is it that is the next step in data visualization what's the next step in accessibility i have many things to say but i was also we were <laughs> because we're visual people i was also looking for eye contact to see if somebody else was going to jump in but now that i have the mic uh, where do we stand right now uh, Alex pointed out the Data Act. The first open data law is about to kick in. Mm -hmm. And in May 2017, we're going to have an open data version of spending. This is fantastic. It'll be the first time there's ever been a single standardized data set that covers the finances of the entire federal government. A few years ago, Tableau did a groundbreaking visualization that used uh, 
spending data from within the Recovery Act, published yes. just within the stimulus, that showed how you could see trends and so on if the spending information were standardized. And that was just because they only had access to standardized data from within the recovery. The Data Act says, let's do the whole hog. The entire government, all of its spending should be standardized. We're excited for that. So I think we're in a pretty good place with regard to spending information. But other kinds of information are still stuck in the dark ages of documents. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Uh, there's still a tremendous amount of government information that is locked up in file cabinets on servers and spreadsheets and uh, laptops, um, or it simply isn't documented at all. Um, I think Americans may undervalue the statistics of our agencies, um, the extraordinary uh, wealth of information of, uh, that has been milled into knowledge that we can all access, and that is now on the internet as a result of years and years of advocacy and policy changes and laws. Um, one of the areas that we hope to see Congress act on is the Open Government Data Act, uh, which Hudson actually testified in, uh, before Congress on yesterday, um, which would bake in uh, a lot of the principles that Sunlight has advocated for for a decade now. Um, we'd also like to see a number of other uh, disclosures um, be mandated by Congress, um, things that have become norms for transparency but it may not be adopted by a new administration. White House visitor logs as open data is a good example of that. Um, and Sunlight is working with uh, states and cities uh, across the United States and around the world on opening up their troves of data to their people as well um, and working with innovative players in the uh, social software sector and, and the public sector and the private sector um, to make sure that information is accessible and understandable to people so they can make more informed decisions in their electoral choices or in their choices for a gamut of other areas. And again, it's making sure that data finds them when they're making decisions. Mm -hmm. So if you release, say, health inspection scores for restaurants, make sure you do it in a format that can be ingested into something like Yelp. So when yep. people go to make a decision about whether to eat somewhere, they can see how they're well, how well they're doing. We know that they're not gonna go to a government website in the same way they're gonna go to a consumer-facing website yeah. because that's simply not how it's built. Reuse is a really big deal. Um, and I think that uh, as we see more governments think about that, um, they'll get better returns on their investment um, through engaging their communities and building with them uh, to make sure that there are better uh, ways for those people who may not know anything about what open data is, but definitely know they need to figure out how to get somewhere, how to buy something, whether something is safe or not, or how their individual council person has voted. Yeah, and I definitely want to continue this conversation when we come back from our break. We're going to stop here for a quick word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, fedmanager.com. I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message. 
Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Today we're talking about data accessibility and data visualization. How is it that we are making what the government collects and information about individuals, about programs, and how are we making it so that the individuals who, who need this information and who want to utilize this information in the public uh, that supports our government, how are we making it accessible to them? And before the break, we were discussing what is next for uh, data transparency, data accessibility, and visualization. And um, I want to kick it over to you, Rob, and talk about it from, from the technical aspect. What is it that we are doing? What new technological uh, features are we finding are help best for folks to be able to digest uh, data that we're putting out there? Yeah, I think you look, the, te- the technology is important, right? If you look at at at, at at Tableau, right? You, you know, we built in mapping capabilities that make it very easy to take information like Alex talked about. And how do you, how do you, how can you see how that impacts, a, you know, a, a country, a state, a county, a city, a neighborhood? And what does that mean from any variety of metrics around poverty, around the achievement gap in education, around benefit disbursements, around any of that? And, and it's how that, it's that, it's how that information is being visualized. Mm-hmm. And if you look at where the industry is, is headed and you look at what the industry analysts are talking about around this, the, the whole analytics space, it is this, the, the extreme importance of the vi, of visual analytics, uh, you know, as part of this way of, of being able to see that data. And so you're going to see this continue to expand and explode as, as companies like Tableau begin to, as we begin to build more capabilities into, into this ability to consume the data. Because that's what you, you know, again, this vast majority of people are going to want to just go onto a site and they're going to be able to look at information presented in a way that they can can digest it and analyze it. And then they're going to move on. And that's that's the important context around this. And that's that's where the technology is expanding in that area. I made a, a, a noise, an, an inaudible noise, like I was going to say something, but I wasn't going to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Feel free to jump I, these, in. These, these things are all connected, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the government does do a good job yeah. of making its data accessible, then these technology solutions can do more and more. If the government does a poor job, then a lot of effort has to get invested in preparing the data, in ingesting the data, in extracting the data, in transforming mm-hmm. the data, in loading the data, and less can be put into doing beautiful visualizations that are meaningful for people. And I talked a little bit uh, about this with Alex uh, uh, on our call before before mm-hmm. the show started, and I was asking about, you know, to build on top of data on top of data, are we able to see who all is utilizing these tools and kind of break down what populations? And if so, you know, is that helping to... Is that helping helping you guys to make it more accessible by seeing, you know, what populations are utilizing this and where maybe you could make it easier to digest for folks or what their needs or wants are? Well, I mean, you know, for us, for for Tableau, I mean, we have we have uh, there's a there's Tableau Public, which is a, a website that we have that's available for people to to uh, post visualizations that they've they've done from data. We see a lot of governments uh, putting things up there. The Department of Commerce um, is one that was recently featured. So there there's that's a that's a place for for people to um, share what they've been doing and and uh, and and. and and plan that and 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 post that out and and have people comment on it but we also see it it's it's governments themselves that are that are that are investing in the technology so that they can push this information out um, we see and NGOs are doing the same thing universities are doing the same thing and the, all of them are who are going who are consumers of the of this 
a government open data that we're talking about. I mean, they're going to pull this in and they're going to do the visualization. And they're going to and and they're going to do the analysis. And and yes, it's it's it can be hard to 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 clean that data up and mm-hmm. and that and that standardization is is it can oftentimes be frustrating to people who are trying to get some some sense out of that data. I think that's that we I mean we're working on that. That's an we we know that that's important. And I think anything that happens on 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 Hudson's and Alex's side about how that standardization you know comes into play benefits everyone, makes it easier for people to who are going to who are going to pull information to the visualization to do that. But but there are ways of there are a lot of ways of sharing and, and getting access to this to this technology. So I want to share a, a site. It's from D.C. Uh, we had uh, Sunshine Week, as you may know. That's a, a nationwide celebration of open government started by the American Society of News Editors over a, a decade ago. And uh, we're gr- really glad to see when governments participate as well as, as journalists. And uh, in this case, uh, the department shared districtmobility.org, uh, which uh, tells data stories about congestion for different modes of travel around D.C. This is a great use of data visualization by a local government agency. But the data itself behind it is not published. Neither is the methodology for it. And that's crucial for uh, accountability for the agency. It's also crucial to make sure that you can understand the source of the data, any biases in the data, and understand what they did to create the visualizations. And this, this is, is a, interesting. So yeah. you would you say, Alex, that this is the second kind of accessibility without the first? Um, I think that uh, you can certainly make a case if you look at this that it is not as accessible to the public in either sense as it mm-hmm. should be. This and also means that nobody can grab the data set and put it into a tool like Tableau. It makes it much We're harder stuck with to... whatever they choose to do at the city. Right. And I think that when when you create these visualizations, you want to make sure the data behind them is released and the methodology is as well. And this is a best practice, I think, for data visualization across industry. It's certainly true for organizations like ProPublica, which publish the data and the methodology, and then a narrative next to it so that people can understand. Right. It's all wrapped up, and there's transparency behind it. And in an age where people are more, let's be honest, distrusting of media and government, it's Even crucial. as they scroll endlessly through their social media. Yes, <laughs> that transparency be baked into visualizations with including the data behind it so that people can go back and see. Because the reality is that there is bad data out there and there is also bad methodology out there. And if you've ever worked with a statistician or a scientist, you understand how data can be manipulated and mm-hmm. how visualizations can be used to mislead. And I uh, direct your audience to WTFVIZ.net for an example of bad data visualization. And here's the reality. If you've ever been someone who's tried to take a huge spreadsheet and make visualizations from it, you've probably done things you shouldn't have, like use pie charts. Just don't do it. Um, and you've <laughs> what probably- What you got against pie charts? Well, that, that's a whole show. Uh, there, There's <laughs> frankly a lot of bad practices and it takes a while to get really great at this. And there are entire classes, entire courses that you can take on how to not mislead with data or statistics. But you got to have the data to begin with. That's right. And I'll keep dragging us all back toward that. <laughs> if you don't have standardized data to start with, then all of this is just so much harder. That's right. And you might as well have pie charts because it doesn't matter. You might spend six months downloading PDFs and extracting data from them. And, and you might be so website. exhausted that all you know how to do, all you've got the time left to do is a pie chart in Excel. Mm. Terrible. Yes. So no but, pie charts, no PDFs. That's well consensus. It's here. better That's a good way to, to have <laughs> an entire hour. A PDF than not. 
certainly I think it's much better to have a government publishing information on the internet than not publishing it. And sometimes that is the choice. So it's a place to start. Even Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web, who really advanced this idea Sir of open... Tim to you. Well, I'm an American, so we don't use the honorifics. <laughs> um, you know, we we strongly support government publishing something rather than not publishing it. He gives that one star. Now, a .csv is a lot better. XML's a lot better. Something that is really great metadata, Eve, is better than that. But publishing it is a start. And after that, organizations that have more capacity, technology companies that have more capacity, journalists who have time because they're funded to open up the data, then they can all take it and transform it and make it into something that's structured. But the first start, as Hudson nails it, is getting that data online, and even that, if it's not that accessible. That makes me curious about how Tableau deals with those different star ratings. Sir Tim, Sir, I use the honorific <laughs> because he's English. Sir Timothy Berners-Lee has come up with a star rating system to gauge accessibility. Multiple stars depending on whether it's machine readable or not, uh, whether the uh, data formats, whether the, the methodology behind the data format is published or not. One star is when it's just a PDF, but at least there it is. At least there it is up on the web. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that as you have, uh, as it gets better and better, then the people who need to digest and extract and transform and load have to invest less and less effort to get to the visualizations. So what I'm curious about from the perspective of Tableau is uh, do you do you see things that way? As you get more Sir Tim Berners-Lee stars, as a data set gets more and more accessible and better documented, is it less effort for the people who are using Tableau to come up with something beautiful and meaningful? Well, absolutely it is. I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, the, as clean as the data can be is going to make is going to make it easier yeah. for people to create a visualization. But it but, you know, unclean data, dirty data, whatever you want to call it, shouldn't prevent you from you still using try. that information to 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 blend and pull in to create a visualization, right? I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I, we're all about making it easy for people. You know, I would love all data to be clean, but I, that's never going to happen. Right? There's a huge cleaning operation that's well, going I, to happen in corporate data that I'll talk about after the break. But, <laughs> and, and But yes. And, and but I think, you know, I think it goes back to how do you, you know, how, where is that information sitting? How do you want to pull it into the visualization? What is it going to look like? And, and you know, Yes, if it was a five star, this is the cleanest data you're ever going to get. Totally Whoever is going to build a visualization is is going to is going to be able to do that like that. But I, I mean, I know from my own personal experience in building a visualization that that that's not always the case, right? You're gonna there's going to be anomalies that are going to pop up. So, yeah, and then you die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to go ahead, actually, you guys, and let's cut to our break uh, a couple minutes early so we got some time to talk a little bit more about this uh, corporate cleaning of data that Hudson's going to oh, get yes. to us after the break. Uh, we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, and we are entering the last segment of our show. It has been a great show, you guys. 
I'm really appreciating all of the information that we're, we're getting out to our audience and uh, all of the enthusiasm around data visualization and public accessibility of data. And I just want to end uh, today by allowing our three guests to kind of talk to us a little bit about what's coming up next for their organizations. Um, let's uh, kick this off. Actually, Hudson, you you already went ahead and warmed us up. I dangled it like let's... crazy. What do we expect coming up next in data accessibility? <laughs> One of the most exciting developments to watch for is in corporate identification. Now, that sounds really boring, but it's actually very interesting. The federal government uses <laughs> a hailstorm jungle of identification codes to identify companies. Now, companies have to report different information to different regulatory agencies. If they're federal contractors, then they've got to report to the GSA. There's all these different identification codes that are used. IRS, taxpayer identification numbers, DUNS numbers, legal entity identifiers, and so on and so on. Matching the same entity across different reporting regimes is a pain. Now, that's going to change. On March 15th, 28 members of Congress introduced the Financial Transparency Act, which requires all of the financial regulators to start using the same identification code for the companies that report to them. This means that people who use tools like Tableau will be able to pull information from those different regulators and identify the same company reporting to different agencies automatically instead of investing a lot of time and matching them. Yesterday, we had a hearing at the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, and the committee chair, Jason Chaffetz, said that the committee needs to invest more time in investigating this uh, monopoly right now that uh, the General Services Administration has given to Dun and Bradstreet. Many of our listeners are familiar with the Dun's number. The Dun's number is proprietary. Dun and Bradstreet owns it. That means that taxpayers have to pay twice. They can't use the information without paying for a license from Dun and Bradstreet. That is going to change. That is going to end. We're going to see the federal contracting system administered by the GSA adopt the same identifier as the regulators do. That means you'll be able to pull up a particular company and you'll be able to see what it does as a contractor and what it reports as a regulated entity. That is the cleanup job that's going to happen over the next few years in federal data. Who can follow that one up? <laughs> that is, I mean, that's, that's incredible. And is this a bipartisan act? Because, I mean, when I was talking to Rob earlier, we were talking about, you know, this is a this is a bipartisan issue. He gave the Ohio example earlier. Everybody from Carolyn Maloney to Jim Jordan. It is bipartisan. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, the use of data, I, I mean, that's where this is important. I mean, the Arnold Foundation is doing a, a lot of work around data-driven justice. So Kelly Jinn, who came from the city of Boston, the White House Office of Technology Policy, you know, is now working for them around this initiative of uh, and and how do you look at data and how's it used against sentencing guidelines and things mm -hmm. like that and so and it's you see the state of Utah which is as red as you're going to get you know adopting the same sort of standards around this data driven justice initiative as the state of New York might or the state of Pennsylvania so I, I you know Hudson's right about this this you know as this data becomes available as it becomes more you know it, as it's democratized. You know, it's then going to be consumed by more and more people, and it's Quicker going to be and used to yep. well, it's going to be used to change policy. It's going to be used to improve programs, and and for us, I mean, that's what that's what we're all about within government. It's like when people start to see and understand their data and and understand those patterns that I talked about earlier. It is around delivering these better outcomes. It's delivering this, this. It's achieving these mission goals, but it's also driving transparency and accountability out to citizens, and so. 
having all this information available as a, as people can see it and and explore it and analyze it and discover what it t- it tells you is really the key around what what we're talking about here for for us and and having the data you having this the 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 things that that Hudson's doing to the data coalition around the standardization and what Alex is doing around the Sunlight Foundation it, you know that helps us deliver that kind of service both to government and citizens and that's that's what we're about on this whole thing so so we have a wonderful open cities team uh, that works with dozens of cities and it is uh, I think part of sunlight that people may not appreciate uh, as much as they should uh, because we are taking up what is a profoundly American idea, not a Republican idea, not a Democratic idea, mm-hmm. or a Libertarian idea, or progressive or green idea. It's that government information that has been paid for with our taxpayer dollars should be accessible to all of us to use, to reuse, and to apply to making better decisions about our lives. And that our local team, I think, is doing a, a terrific job now advancing from not just creating a great policy, a great executive order, or a great law, um, to get this stuff out and to create a, a infrastructure around the disclosure of the data, um, but also finding ways to work with the cities to engage the community around that data so they know it's there, they can apply it to making decisions in their lives, they can find issues with it, um, they can help correct those issues. Um, and that I think more and more um, you'll see that there is a um, shared understanding that the best way to govern in the 21st century is around shared facts that we can all agree on that have been validated um, through the quality standardization processes that the gentleman next to me and Hudson over there have been pushing for through their careers, and then that that's used to drive evidence-based policy. Right. And everyone here knows that that is a shared governance priority for mayors and for governors, and we hope it will be uh, for this Congress and the White House as well, um, that we understand that this kind of information that is taxpayers should be used to inform the public policies that really p- get pushed out and that we don't cast doubt upon the institutions or the scientists that create it, mm-hmm. that instead we work with them to make sure the quality and periodicity and frequency of the data is improved, that we don't defund the scientific agencies or the statistical agencies that produce data that help us understand crime or environment or public health or a host of other issues then instead we use the data that is available to drive decisions and to drive investigations, and then we accept it as a set of shared facts to then drive better laws and regulations around. All, all of which is which the, it comes to this power of the visualization, right? Data-driven decision-making, right, in, in, in eliminating these, these silos of decision-making and, and making it based on fact, you know, it does then yeah. lead to what you're talking about around evidence-based policy. I mean, how are you going to change the way we deliver services to citizens? You do it based on the information that you have and what it's telling you. And that information is constantly evolving. And yep. that's why all this data is so important. And also being able to look at it and consume it in a way that mm-hmm. reveals all that it is as important as that. And you bake in data measurement into the services themselves. The great right. thing with digital is that now you have new opportunities and it's not just an american idea this is something that governments around the world are really focused on here we focus on say up in new england a great issue can you put gps trackers in the snow plows to figure out where they are and what's been snow like what's actually been cleared or not and if people come out and take pictures and say okay they've actually passed or not 
in other countries where service delivery actually may be corrupt or have real problems with it, you can put GPS trackers and other things like garbage trucks in Mexico. Now, the data behind that enables you to measure performance, to do transparency, to do accountability, and to understand how that's actually happening at the street-by-street -street level, and then to improve that. Um, you can see that happening, I think, in every level of government around the world. People understand how data can be used to hold governments to account and to make transparency actually matter to people's lives. Yeah. Corruption is a huge issue, and it is one that we should all be focused on in this community. Well, and, and the city of Boston, to your point, the city of Boston is doing that right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, with, with I mean, they're I mean, the dashboard powered by Tableau. The mayor uses it every day, as do all mm -hmm. of his top administrators, in understanding how every aspect of that city is operating, and 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 are able to 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 you know understand real time where they need to make changes, where they need to make adjustments, and things like that. So that is the power of the data and the power of the visualization, right? It's it's how it's being consumed and how it's all being brought together. Data.boston.gov. Let's make sure the listeners can go check it yeah. out. It's, yep. Thank you. You bet. Yeah, no, that's – the beauty of it is you also, you know, hearing these stories from you about, you know, the – the the mayor in Boston and uh, Ohio and the the trucks in Mexico is we can see that there are real there's a real impact that comes from this. This is going to change the way that the that they're going to look at policymaking in Boston. It's going to change the way that services get delivered to the people of Mexico. And that's really the important thing is that at the end of the day, the more accessible this data is, the the more we can get it out there to folks, then they can see why it's so imperative that we continue to collect it because it improves their lives. This is why I'm optimistic about the future. I think w when you consider all of the different information chains that policymakers use, most of them, even now, are based on documents. Somebody drafts a report and it finds its way to the right person and that person's the decision maker and then the, the policy might be changed. We're seeing just the very beginning of policymakers using standardized data instead to drive their decision making, but I think in most areas it hasn't happened yet. That's why we're just we're just on the very cusp of the of these changes, as different reporting regimes and as different types of decisions switch from documents to standardized data. We won't just see a boon for public transparency. We will see government function better. Well, and you see that with the Data Act stuff, right? I mean, the, the, all the requirements that you push through on the Data Act. I have a secret. See... When we pushed the data through, well, I'm going to divulge it right now. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really, we pretended it was about government transparency. Right. It's about internal management. But I broke in. But that's okay. But, <laughs> but, but, but to your point is that that's where you see Tableau, for example, being used to create those dashboards and reports around Data Act compliance. For right? the managers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, maybe more for the managers. Yep. Well, uh, we certainly felt very strongly the Data Act was for transparency purposes, and we still support ah, it for those you. purposes. Well. We, it was for yeah. both. It yeah. is for both transparency um, and internal the, management. The, I mean, the I think, uh, in all jokes aside, it's possible for different laws, different regulations to serve multiple goals. Um, and that's where working in coalitions matters. That's why you can see different constituencies stepping up um, for things like better public spending. Um, mm -hmm. some, some political constituencies want to use it to understand what parts of government are uh, involved in wasteful spending and to think about shrinking the size of it. Others want to in improve the way that government works. They both need the same both thing. right sometimes. Structured data that actually represents totally accuracy. totally different 
pitch for yeah. Republican offices on Capitol Hill as opposed to Democratic offices. Yeah. Republican offices, we said, well, when this data can reveal the putrefaction and corruption across government, the citizens will rise up with pitchforks. And we told Democratic offices, <laughs> we want to show how fantastic government can be. Mm. And there's a real, there's room for both. There is yeah. room for both yeah. in, this, in this big, messy democracy. Well, which makes life, you know, I, we never want to talk about data and, and visualization and analytics being used as, as a punitive tool. <laughs> a puni but you want, Sometimes you know, it needs to be. Well, yeah, but that's, it's, it, it's, it's all about transparency. It's about accountability. It's about improving performance. And that's what it's mm -hmm. about. Just, let's be clear, though. Transparency can be used in a weaponized way. Ask I, the Clinton campaign yes, about that, right? True. Or ask individuals who have been doxxed. Ask There's people bad with the good. personal yeah. data has flown online. It's much bigger than yeah. the bad. You know, some, an, an individual's data that's made too accessible, if it involves their uh, tax uh, information, um, if it involves their health information, that can be an issue. Um, and accessibility does matter in those ways. You want to make sure that if the IRS is going to give people access to their tax transcripts, they use really good security protocols to make sure that doesn't happen too easily. Unfortunately, they screwed that one up, right? Um, now they're doing better at it. But um, the next, I think, frontier for government is to really make sure that when people need to get access to their personal data, and they're using the Freedom of Information Act for this, by the way. Mm -hmm. People uh, in, you know, in the military or people who want access to immigration records are using the public records law for this. Um, that instead there's a really good, secure, authenticated means for them to do so. Because we accept that this is something we think people should be able to do, but we don't want the government to be publishing that for everybody on the internet. And, and I think that we've come full circle to data accessibility right there. You know, uh, it is something that is imperative, but there do have to be limitations in certain in certain spaces. So I want to thank you guys for being with us today and for this robust conversation. Um, once again, we had Hudson Hollister from the Data Coalition. Robust. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Dolan from Tableau and Alex Howard from the Sunlight Foundation. I want to thank you guys for joining us today on Fed Talk. It's brought to you by federal, the federal employment law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. We hope you guys have a great weekend. You Same too. to thank everybody. You. Thank you. Thank you.